Blog Talk Radio. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. Good evening, good evening. Happy Friday to everybody. Thank God it's Friday. Oof, yesterday was a mess, right? But anyway, this is a special edition of Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I still will have a show tomorrow, but this one I think people really need to hear. Um, the topic is not really talked about a lot, so I thought it was important to, to support this organization. Um, for me, you guys know you can follow me on Twitter, at Joy Keys. Also, check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. And I'm going to be giving away some stuff uh, tomorrow, a book, and also some healthcare items that people have donated to me uh, for the listeners. So check in on the social media to find out how you can win those. This evening, I have a fellow podcaster. So, I mean, I actually was really kind of nervous because I was like, okay, well, he knows the deal. He knows the kind of questions I'm supposed to be asking. He knows how long I'm supposed to be talking. He said, other. I was like, ooh, you know. <laughs> but um, he seems really nice. At least I listen to his podcast. He seems very nice. Um, and uh, he has a lot of cool talent. Um, and uh, his podcast is called Tourette's Podcast and is supported or sponsored by the Tourette Association of America. His name is Ben Brown. Good evening, Ben Brown. Hey, good evening. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. How about yesterday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, surreal. It was, <laughs> it's, it's a lot to process, and uh, yes. I think we'll be processing it for some time. Yeah. Well, um, I'm glad that you have a show that I think helps people process things. Let's, let's start at um, the beginning here. I want to mention one of the main reasons you come in on the show is to talk about a summit that's happening for teenagers. Can you tell the audience about that a little bit? Yeah, so this is the, uh, the virtual teen summit, uh, obviously being held in virtual fashion. Um, so this is a, it's a really cool program. It uh, starts, I think, uh, mid-morning on Saturday, and it goes into the afternoon. Um, I'm going to be one of the presenters. There's a, there's a few different, different sessions covering different topics, and I'm going to be hitting the topic of uh, vulnerability and disclosure and, and kind of being open about having Tourette, uh, which is a pretty difficult thing if you're a teenager and you're going through all these transitional points in life and all these turnstiles. Um, you know, it, it can be kind of a heavy situation, so that's something we're going to get into. Uh, and uh, Tourette.org uh, is where you can go to sign up, like attend an event. They've, they've got all the information there on the list of presenters. But yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So it, does it cost any money for the for the kids to sign up? Um, I, as far as I know, it's it's a free registration. I, I could be wrong about this because I've been kind of on the back end working on things. But uh, 
but th there are a lot of signups, so it, it's, it's not a big barrier to entry. I can definitely tell you that. Yeah, let me go here. Yeah, I don't see any cost. Um, it does mention if you are under the age of 18, um, your parent must complete a certain part because they're going to be uh, recording um, the sessions. Um, and it also says right. that you can come the whole day, uh, starting from 11.30 a.m., I think, to 6, or you can just go to one or two of the sessions. So it'll be up to you, um, you know, what you choose to attend. But definitely att attend Ben's, okay, because Ben is here now. Mm -hmm. So you better attend Ben's. We're going to be watching you. No, I'm just <laughs> Just resonating. Um so then, how did you find out you had Tourette's? When was the first time you realized you had Tourette's? Kind of predates my memory. Um, I was uh, very young. I was diagnosed when I was like five or six, and around that time, I was uh, I was making some peculiar, I guess, motions with my face that were really rhythmic and they didn't seem to let up. So it didn't seem like a normal thing. And my parents, I was the first born um, under my parents, so they didn't have much experience, you know, with other kids in the family, and uh, I had, I never slept, I had some strange behavioral issues, I cried all the time, I needed basically constant attention, and um, and always needed something to fixate on, I needed something to play with, or a toy or something, and um, just in comparison to other kids in the neighborhood, I didn't seem to match up with them. So when I started ticking, uh, my parents, they took me to a few doctors. And, um, you know, it, it, it's similar to what I think a lot of parents hear when they take their kid in, when they have some of their concerns, is that, oh, ticks are kind of normal. You know, it's, the kids go through this. You know, it's nothing to worry about. But mm -hmm. it just didn't let up with me. And so with the other things kind of in combination, the fact that I just, I just never slept, I drove my parents crazy, um, eventually my mom was reading a, a column uh, it was an Ann Landers column, and the subject was Tourette syndrome, and she was reading it and was like, "Oh my gosh! Like this is exactly what I've been experiencing. Mm. This, this has to be it." And I had a violin teacher at the time. I was five years old playing violin, and my violin teacher called my mom and said, "Did you read Ann Landers? Because this looks really familiar." And so they finally took me into the right neurologist, and I got diagnosed, and um, that started this whole, you know adventure on part of my parents, uh, medications, all kinds of things. And, um, Do you remember yeah, taking any of the medications, um, uh, what, what you took and the effect that it had on you? Yeah, I took some pretty heavy stuff, some antipsychotics, and uh, some of them are pretty familiar to people who have Tourette. There's haloperidol. I was on a, a drug called anaphronil. Um, I was on, uh, I think, clonidine. Uh, just a lot of stuff, and some of it was pretty heavy, and it, it really dulled me. It kind of turned me into a zombie. And just, you know, it didn't make me happy. I'll, I'll put it that way. So it's kind of like, you know, you want to get rid of the ticks or take control of my anxiety, that kind of thing. But you kind of throw out the baby with the bathwater as well. If you do so much to kind of dull me down and erode me, um, to where I just didn't feel like myself anymore. So um, medications were, uh, they can help. They have their place. But it's uh, it's an adventure to go through. And with me, I, I kind of found that, and this is just for me personally, this varies for different people who have Tourette's, but I found for me personally, being off the heavy medication was a mm -hmm. better solution for me and just trying to contend with it kind of cold. I, I just, 
I've done better with that. I do take medication in my adult life, but um, but in my teenage years, that's when I, you know, decided to kind of break away from medication. But at the same time, I also kind of went into hiding about it. I kind of created a shell around myself. I didn't want to talk mm. about Tourette's, and mm-hmm. that's a whole other thing, yeah. So I was reading that you were bullied, you know, as a teenager. Do you find that being a common uh, issue with people who have Tourette's uh, when they become teenagers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I And that's precisely the reason why I stopped. Uh, you know, I, I went to really great lengths to make sure that people didn't know I had it. Uh, I would mask my tics. I would cover them up just to, so I wouldn't give anybody any material to make fun of me over. Um, so when I was, uh, when I was younger, I got mocked a lot. You know, one thing that helped me was that I went to a small school. And so it was the same kids, you know, um, first through sixth grade, essentially. So mm-hmm. I was old material by then. They got it out of their system. But, <laughs> okay. but you know, but you know, for a lot of kids, you know, it, it's, it's a sensitive time to go from, say, elementary school to middle school, middle school to high school. Um, you know, you're forming your identity. And, you know, it's just it's, it's very sensitive. And you don't want to be the person who's branded as uncool or a freak or, you know, just fill in the blank with whatever term you can think of. And um, which is why a lot of kids do what I do. Uh, decided to kind of go inward and mask it and try to be somebody else. And, and in doing so, you know, it's, it's kind of a damaging uh, thing to go through because, I, you know, that ends up kind of becoming a ritual for other things in your life as well. Um, I've, I've always been kind of introverted and, um, and, and I guess with some other kids, they can't help it. Their, their kids are, are so outward and so apparent that they don't really have the choice of masking things. And right. th- that's really difficult. So that's where awareness kind of comes in and having conversations to kind of humanize the whole thing so people don't get the wrong idea about what Tourette is and what people experience going through it. Let's talk about that. Um, some people have vocal tics and some people have motor tics. Um, how was it diagnosed? How do they know that it's Tourette's and not something else? Mm-hmm. Do, do, do you know about that? So uh, I guess the textbook version of, of Tourette focuses on the co-occurrence of vocal tics and motor tics. There are other kinds of tic disorders as well, like chronic uh, motor tic disorder, where you don't have the vocal tic aspect of it, but you have the bodily tic aspect of it. Um, there are some you know, arguments in the scientific circles that it's all kind of one thing, that a vocal tick is just a different kind of motor tick. But, mm. um, but as, as kind of clinically defined, it's something that is the co-occurrence of vocal and motor ticks observed over the period of about a year, uh, usually sets on in childhood, and it can diminish over time. It is misdiagnosed a lot, um, and a lot of people have a hard time finding an actual diagnosis for it because of a, a lack of education in medical circles uh, about what it is and what it looks like. But, you know... It can diminish over time. It can persist into adulthood, as is the case with me and scores of other people around the world. But the more complex side of TS is that it also tends to come with a variety of other things like anxiety, depression, OCD, sleep issues, and on and on. And that's a whole life experience to get into. Those are kind of things people may not see physically, but it's happening inside the person. Um, Now, I read that you played the guitar has that helped you with your Tourette's or is that just a hobby that you have? No, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, music and creativity is a really common thing in the Tourette circle. And, you know, it, 
the, the jury may be out on as to why, you know, there, there's, there's some theories as to why, but with me, I spent a lot of time, I was just talking about my case. I spent a lot of time by myself when I was a kid. I had friends and I recreated, but I found that when I was playing music and I was in my room just kind of playing guitar, it was basically my world. And the act of playing guitar, the procedure of it, the sound of it, it, it was just a very therapeutic thing to where um, uh, I could go inward in kind of a, a productive way. Uh, I Academically, I, I was never so great, so I never learned how to read music, but I could always play by ear. So I could hear something on the radio and pick up my guitar and know how to play it. And wow. that was something that felt like a pride point for me. You know, it gave me a lot of confidence and ended up playing in bands and ended up uh, touring. And that, that was a, you know, that, that was kind of a turning point in my life was that finding something where I felt really confident doing. And that's something I hear a lot from the track community. People who play drums, people who play guitar, um, just the arts in general seem to coincide a lot with Tourette. I read that you um, really look up to uh, Shane uh, Fiskel. Is that how you pronounce his name, or Fiskel? He's a person who has Tourette. Can you tell the audience a little yeah. bit about him? Sure. Yeah, he's he's a lot older than me. Um, when I was a little kid, my mom was getting involved with uh, the Tourette Association. At the time, they were called the Tourette Syndrome Association, or CSA. And we would go to different conferences, uh, you know, Atlanta, D.C., uh, Houston, Texas, um, all over the place. Shane and uh, a, a few, there were a few mainstays of these conferences, and Shane was one of them. And he, he was an adult living with Tourette, but he seemed cool. He was funny. And it was kind of important for me as a young person to see that because I had all kinds of insecurities about myself. And I think that kind of helped out my parents, too, to see other people kind of you know, they have Tourette and it's very apparent, but they, they're also getting along, you know. Mm-hmm. And he reached out to me when I was a little kid and, you know, we, we would kind of sit down and have talks and he was funny and, you know, he would kind of tease me in a funny way. It, it just kind of felt like a comrade. And, you know, that, that's really important when you're a kid and you don't exactly know who you are or where you fit in. So seeing other people like that and they impress you is a very important thing, uh, especially for young people. Um, yeah, just just kind of seeing him year after year, and it, it, I, I was a little kid the last time I talked to him, but he did write something that appeared, I think, in the New York Times. Yes, he did. Was, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was something like I'm not going to spend a life, or I'm not going to spend my life apologizing, or something like that. And that just really resonated with me, where it's, you know, it got me to thinking later on because I was living a closeted life, you know, in my teenage years about having PS, um, where you tick. And, you know, you apologize for it, and it's just that's a thing on repeat, but it's, that's not a life I really want. And that's, that kind of helped me to open up later in life. What would you tell young teenagers, um, some, maybe a tidbit from what you're going to talk about tomorrow, what, what can you tell people today how to cope as a teenager, you know, that it's going to get better or where can they go get assistance? things they can do to not feel that anxiety, not feel depression, not feel isolated? Yeah, it's, um, uh, I'm going to focus very heavily on the, uh, on the disclosure aspect and the vulnerability aspect. And one advantage that exists today for teenagers and for everybody else, but it's important for teens, that I didn't have when I was a kid is the access to one another over the Internet, Instagram, that kind of thing. It's a lot easier these days to stick with one another. You know, find a discussion group on Facebook. We have one for the podcast, uh, the Trust Podcast Discussion Group. 
which includes people who've never lived openly with CS. It's always been their secret. And as more of these people connect with one another, more people end up sort of coming out about having it because you mm-hmm. feel like you have a posse. And, you know, if you're already known as having CS, getting picked on, for instance, getting bullied, if this community sticks together and you practice vulnerability with the community, then you're going to learn things about yourself you didn't know before. And I, to, to any team's listening, like, I promise your life is going to get better. It doesn't mean overnight. I don't know if any miracle cures or anything, and beware of anybody who says they've got one, but I run into more and more people who used to dread the feeling of having it, and now they appreciate it because they found the connections that they have with the community, the, like, for example, the creative strength. Um, they learn of celebrities who have it. Uh, Adam Curry, the, the former MTV DJ, who is actually credited with inventing podcasting, he was just on Tourette's podcast at the beginning of the season talking about his life with it. He has it. Mm, he calls it mm. a feature, not a bug. And he credits his way of thinking because of having a Tourette's brain. He kind of credits that with how he was able to invent podcasting and how he was able to kind of visualize how it was going to work. And there are just so many advantages that um, we don't, but maybe we kind of acknowledge to ourselves, but we don't confirm it unless we talk to each other. And I, it's just, it's a really important time and advantageous time for teenagers to be able to connect with one another and, and make those connections and make those breakthroughs. And that's one little aspect I'm going to talk about tomorrow. But um, I kind of think it's an, an exciting time to be a young person with Tourette. Let me just mention again that tomorrow the summit is from 11.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. They can go to Tourette.org to register for the summit. It's free. If you are under 18, you do need to have your parents fill out a part of the registration. You can go all day or you can just go to one session. Uh, but, again, you better go to Ben's session because we'll be watching you. <laughs> um, so, so, Ben, now, okay, you are a guitar player, but I found that you're also a photographer. How yeah. does that aid you with your Tourette's or is that, again, just a hobby and you got really into it? It's, uh, it's, it's pretty important to me. It's something that I, I was a journalist for about 13 years, and I discovered photography properly, I guess, during that time period where uh, just covering news events, you know, it was the time period where newsrooms were contracting and reporters had to be more than reporters. You had to be your own photographer and, and so on, which is also kind of where I learned podcasting. But with photography, I just really connected with it because of the um, – it's kind of a direct metaphor or analogy where you're recomposing the, the world that's in front of you. So I've always had kind of a social anxiety. I don't like being in busy places where there's a lot of clamor um, unless I have a camera with me. And that kind of reframes my whole purpose there. So it's like I can mm. lift the viewfinders to my eye and everything in the world disappears except for what I'm directly seeing in the frame of the camera. Wow. And I can move okay. to the left, move to the right. And I can compose what I see in front of me in an interesting way. And that just kind of blends art with reality. And mm-hmm. I like street photography a lot. I like candid photography. I like framing things up in interesting ways. Um, uh, and it's kind of taught me to see things and see people in a different way. It's, uh, and plus, it's, it's just a fun act to do. You know, you get the, the payoff in the end of getting to look at the photos you took and um, – there are a lot of other, just like with music, I've run into a lot of other uh, people in the track community who are really accomplished photographers. 
and they have very similar experiences to where they it just feels like a therapeutic act to the, just the ritual of having the camera and framing things up and composing the world that's in front of you is it gives you a, a different sense of control if that makes sense yeah i mean now how did you start the podcast and were you nervous your first show yeah yeah totally i was uh so i mentioned that i was kind of closeted or was totally closeted about having ps just a few of my friends knew about it but we never talked about it it wasn't a thing it was just they happened to know it i might have mentioned it like one point along the way Mm -hmm. but it wasn't you know an everyday part of my life outwardly even though i thought about it every day um it makes you very self-conscious to have and i was in my late 30s i'm 40 now i was uh 37 when I started thinking about this. Actually, I thought about it a little bit prior, but I always assumed that a podcast about Tourette's syndrome already existed because there's a podcast about everything. Right. And, um, <laughs> we talked about that right so, before the show started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, it, it's such a, every little niche seems to have a podcast to it, but I couldn't find one on Tourette's syndrome. And it was in my skill set to do podcasting, which is something I learned from journalism. And it just seemed like an interesting project to reach out to other people and just compare notes, you know, just here's my life. I want to know about yours. You know, do we kind of link up in some way? Is, is, are we completely different people or is there, is there something different that we connect on? And um, I, I was a nobody, you know, in terms of being someone who people could trust. So what I did was I went on Twitter and I found people who had the word Tourette in their bios. And I just started messaging people. And I was like, you don't know me. You have no reason to trust me. Wow. I could be a troll. I could be, you know. Yeah. I just, I have Tourette's syndrome, and I want to start a podcast about it. And it's going to be a conversational thing. I know we see it on TV a lot. It's sensationalized. How about we have a conversation where we just kind of talk like human beings and not play it up, you know, not uh, not to the, the outside producer's version of what they think Tourette's syndrome should be portrayed as. And people lined up. I I still thought I would get maybe like five episodes out and then it would die for lack of mm-hmm. interest. But mm-hmm. it took off really quickly by the first episode and uh, it got a little bit of media attention. And as it happened, I ended up letting my bosses know as I didn't have to do that, but I kind of did it as a nervous consideration that, Hey, just want to let you know, I, I'm getting a little bit of attention for this podcast. I started about a disorder I have called Tourette syndrome and, I was a little bit nervous about it because I didn't know what their perceptions were of it. Was um, that the first time were, you told them that you had Tourette's, yeah. your job? So my bosses, first time my coworkers knew. And and it's kind of funny because the first episode of the podcast uh, where I interviewed a girl named Maddie, uh, the, the title of the episode is, Oh, I Had No Idea, which is something you usually hear when you tell someone because they don't necessarily know what to look for because I think they think it's like the quote-unquote swearing disease and um, mm-hmm. or, you know, kind of what people, you know, there's the comedy act version of it. And uh, then there's the, the sort of real-life version, which is much more nuanced. And so they were, the boss's coworkers just completely supportive and they asked intelligent questions and you could tell they were trying to be careful about asking the right questions to me. Okay. But it, it helped them to get to know me in a new way, which was really rewarding. And that gave me confidence to just kind of, you know, keep blazing. And, um, and, and then the response from the community who seemed really comfortable with the, the premise of the podcast. So, yeah, it just kind of grew from there. 
do you ask everybody the same questions? Do you try to come up with different ones depending on the guest? How do you deal with the questions that you ask? I do end up asking a lot of the same questions, but it's also because I know I'm going to get a variety of answers. Um, there, there are so many common denominators with the people I talk to, but we all, but we all have different walks of life. And so I'll ask somebody a question about, you know, like what's your stance on, you know, medication or how do you deal with this situation? How did you deal with this relationship? Or uh, just the, the stories, the more I ask the same question, the more variety of stories we get that people who are listening are going to be able to relate to. But at the same time, I like to keep it organic and, um, and just kind of come up with questions on the fly and just make it a, like a real deal conversation to where it's just me talking with them and we can just kind of feel relaxed and, you know, and, and if we get into some territory that's uncomfortable, then we just kind of stop right there and we, we shift gears and we go into something else. But it's, uh, but it just kind of keeps that natural organic flow. And I think in doing that, it also keeps my mind kind of open to different directions I could go. I try not to script myself too much. I, mm-hmm. I just kind of want to talk off the cuff in a way because there's something about uh, a lot of the thoughts I had about Tourette's syndrome were just kind of like confined inside my, inside my own head. But something happens when you start sounding it out and you start talking because you hear yourself saying these things and it feels different and you're starting to make these connections with whoever's listening. And I think in doing so and just kind of keeping it organic like that, you also develop a, a sense of sincerity and trust that you can build with uh, the person you're talking to and the audience. What's the most exciting thing you've learned about someone that you had on your show? It didn't have to necessarily be related to Tourette at all. I mean, it's just something, anything, you know, the most exciting thing you thought you learned. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of difficult to answer because I, I think one thing that has surprised me overall is how similar a lot of us are. So as I was saying earlier that, you know, even though we come from completely different and varied walks of life, um, for instance, the new episode that I'm about to post is with an 18-year-old from India who just relocated to North America. And not only has he experienced bullying because of the way he ticks, but he's also experienced racism and people mocking his accent. And that's a life experience that I haven't had as a middle-class white guy in the United States. Mm, this is just a whole well, yep. layer of mm-hmm. difficulty for him that we spent a lot of time talking about. And yeah. so I learned a lot from just hearing him on his own terms. But beneath that, we so quickly relate to one another. And on the episode, we kind of called it like a, a secret language that I can talk in a way that I may worry only makes sense to me, but they pick up on it immediately and they know exactly what I'm talking about, these vague references to certain emotions I feel mm-hmm. um, that, that, that I can express without getting into all kinds of extra explanation or prerequisite explanation. It's really, it's an, it's an interesting connection to be able to say that we're so different as human beings but there's really a strong hive mind going on with the track community that I didn't realize before starting the podcast. So that's kind of been the biggest surprise takeaway for me. Would you definitely encourage teens to reach out, parents to reach out to the association so that they can make connection when they're going through teen years and teenagers, just becoming a teenager, like, okay, I'm a parent. I thought the aliens abducted my child and put, like, somebody else inside Mm -hmm. of her, you know, when she became a teenager. So, um, you know, do do you think, because that sounds really important and, like, kind of 
it sounds like a warm and fuzzy place to go. You know what I mean? Would you really suggest that to parents and teens to reach out to their association to help them with this yeah, stuff they're going through? Absolutely, because one of the questions I get from parents a lot is uh, there's this aspect of Tourette where ticking is kind of contagious, and I put the word contagious in quotes. It's within the Tourette community, ticks get traded around a lot. So if I'm hanging out with somebody else who has Tourette, I pick up on their ticks, and they pick up on mine. And we mm. kind of, you know, ad- adopt one another's ticks, and it's a really curious thing. And I know everybody who has TS is listening to this and knows what I'm talking about. Um, and so I get a, a question from parents sometimes where they say, you know, should I bring my child to the Tourette conference or, you know, because I'm worried that they're gonna, their Tourette is going to get worse. Or it's gonna, and I always say that the trade-off is that the community that you end up building and the examples that you end up seeing are so empowering that it, it just it eclipses these, these worries and these fears. It, it, when I was a teen and I decided to check out, uh, I think it's because I didn't necessarily uh, see or know that there was going to be a community for me as a teenager because I just felt perpetually misunderstood as a young you person. You felt like you were the only one. But exactly. It's, it's a very isolating thing to have. And I think by connecting, you know, I think sometimes, you know, people worry that it's going to be a, a, kind of like a, a cheesy, you know, kind of youth group, kind of, you know, um, a bunch of kind of feel-good nonsense, hollow stuff that they may be getting into. And it's like, oh, okay, well, I heard some guy tell me I can do anything. Big deal. I hear that from everybody. But right. it's, it's, it's way more meaningful. You know, it's, it's not as hollow as that. It's, it's way more meaningful and sincere. And I think the deeper you kind of get into it, because making yourself vulnerable is, is a scary thing because it's like going out into the cold and the door locks behind you and you don't have anything warm to wear. It's like, what are you going to do? It just kind of feels isolating and strange, but, you know, you adjust and you get better at it. And it's the, the ripple effects from doing that and connecting with other people who know where you're coming from and maybe just as jaded on, on the feel-good stuff as you are. Um, right. You know, you are as a Tourette'er. Is important, and every time I talk with somebody on the podcast, again, I, I've never met them before. We've never talked before, except for like a couple of emails back and forth. But we have these things where we just relate to each other in this uncanny way, and that's really rewarding. And that happens at all age levels, all age groups. And yeah, um, I mean, I've I heard, like- yeah, I've heard your different things, and you know, like you interview different people. They're not all the same age, like you, like you said, your recent one with the child that the young guy from India, and I can hear in your voice right now how powerful it has impacted you doing the podcast, reaching out to others that have Tourette's, and how, I mean, I I feel like happy or warm. I'm sorry. I know that sounds cheesy, but I feel that <laughs> even though I know that, you know, for example, people have autoimmune diseases. Some people have autoimmune diseases. You can't see them, but they're going through stuff. Yeah but on the outside they look fine, you know, like multiple sclerosis or something like that. And people yeah. don't think they're sick or they don't think they're handling, dealing with something, you know, life, you know, altering. Um, so talking to other people, like you said, you, you get in a flow with those other people. And I've heard that not just with Tourette's, but just with other things, you know, children, people have autism, um, like you said, MS, different things, lupus. Um, it's so important to make that connection. Uh, we're running out of time a little bit, but I want to ask you now again, this artist thing, 
It runs in your family. Your grandfather was a photographer, and you're about to do something special. Tell us about that. Yeah, this is cool. I, uh, I knew my grandfather was a photographer, but I didn't really know it deeply. I hadn't really looked at his, at his work or his photographs. didn't know if he was just a hobbyist or, or what, but my dad ended up giving me thousands of old Kodachrome slides that he took back in like the, the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. The Kodachrome was more 70s and 80s, but uh, I started scanning them and realized that his way of, of shooting photographs is almost identical to mine. And it's really uncanny to see the same subjects, the same kind of uh, things that could be a snapshot, but he did something a little bit extra to make the photograph look special. And Mm -hmm. uh, the way he lines things up, the way he uses shadows and uh, contrast, and it's just uncannily similar to the way I do it. And so I decided to make a, uh, to publish a book of his photography, um, which is very difficult to do. scanning, you know, hundreds and hundreds of images and condensing it down to like, you know, 50 of them. But uh, I finally finished that. I finally wrapped that up and I got a PDF available of it. Uh, I did a very limited run uh, in paperback hard copy. But uh, that was one, one of the most rewarding things I've ever done to be able to connect with him. He, he's, he, he, he died several years ago and we never had a conversation about photography like that that I would have loved to have had with him. So this has allowed me to kind of connect with him in a different way and see his brain in kind of in a different way. It's been nice. That actually connects with your discussion just before, which is connecting with people and how important it is to open up and be vulnerable. And, you know, I had a a grandparents, I had two sets. Um, One were more outgoing than the other. And I remember trying to interview my grandparents, and I was like, you know, I want to talk to you about, like, you know, what you do, this and that. And, like, my grandfather, he was in, uh, actually went to India when he was in the service, you know, they don't want to talk about it. The people don't want to talk about things. And then when they die, then you find out all these cool things about them, you know. So that's why yeah. now is the time to reach out for young teens, uh, particularly going to this teen summit tomorrow. You know, now is the time to talk to your grandparents. Now is the time to talk to each other, your friends, um, because they may understand. And then you'll feel relieved you're not carrying this burden you know, of dealing with Tourette just by yourself, isolated. Um, and uh, like you said, it's not all feel good. I'm sure it's not. I'm sure there's difficult days because some people have more physical, they could be painful, yes? Some people have Tourette symptoms that could, that, because they're constantly moving, right? Yeah, neck pain, arm pain. I mean, you can get permanent damage from uh, a persistence of ticks. Um, but, I mean, what you're saying about the connection thing is so important to to have at least one person out there that you can bounce things off of, who you can check in with and just kind of express yourself to. And then have another person who is from a different life experience who you can learn from. I mean, just having these little things around you that you can kind of tap into, it's just, I I wish I had done it a lot sooner. You know, I've only done this really in the past few years. And I've bottled up so many things. And I feel like I would have had a, a different life had I talked about it a lot earlier, which is really important uh, for teens to hear, I think. But in the past few years, my life has changed so much, like really, truly changed. I'm not just saying that. Like it's really, mm-hmm. truly changed mm-hmm. from these conversations that I've had with the community. No, definitely. Podcasting just in general has changed my life. I mean, I've talked to hundreds of people and, you know, about so many things. And I just really try to start it as a conversation 
with somebody else, and then they chickened out. And I just did it by myself. And like you said, uh, just, I don't know how long this is going to go. It's going to go a couple episodes. We'll see what happens. And then, boom, says right. that you're on the right path. Like, you know, you're on the right path then for this time period right now. You know, you may be doing something else in 10 years, 20 years from now, but right now, you know, this Tourette podcast was supposed to be made by Ben Brown right now, and I'm sure you're helping, you know, lots of other people that you don't even see or not aware of, you know. Um, so I think that come to the Teen Summit tomorrow, everybody. Um, also, where can they find your podcast, and where are you online? Tell them about that. Yeah, uh, all the episodes are at TourettePodcast.com, all one word. And uh, you can click a little tab that says episodes, and you can find all of them all in one place. Uh, but we also update the website uh, kind of in blog form with all the new episodes that come out. Um, yeah, that's, uh, and, and it's on all the podcast players, iTunes, Google Play, all that too. What are those um, interesting pictures that you have before each little link? He has all these really cool photos, not really photos, they're like paintings, where did you find those? Did somebody yeah. make them specially for you? What was that about? I just wanted to find out what that was about. Now, if you go to uh, Flickr Commons, they have this, uh, this just treasure trove of public domain images uh, from history. And I try to find something that just kind of like loosely relates to the theme of the episode. It may not be obvious, but there's a, a loose connection to it. And it's kind of interesting to see people make the connection of what the, the image means. So uh, the a recent one is this old historic kind of painting of, a, of an iceberg. And there was a mention of an iceberg as a theme in that episode that, that corresponded with. Um, the iceberg is a very familiar symbol to people in the track community because, you know, it's like uh, kicks, the vocal kicks, the motor kicks, those are the tip of the iceberg, but what you don't see is what's below the surface. The iceberg goes, you know, very deep into the water, and that's where you have the other things that are not quite as visible, the... Um, the sleep issues, the anxiety, the things that you deal with day to day that may be even more severe than the ticking. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I, I try to find images that just have some kind of weight or some kind of meaning, but it's from a public domain archive, and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a treasure. Well, Ben, thank you so much for coming on the show today, sharing your story. I'm really happy that you're helping so many people. Uh, and, again, I'm sure you're helping people you don't even know. Um, and this team summit, it looks really exciting. Um, a lot of different um, uh, courses or sessions, um, some dealing with, you know, mindfulness. It looks like mindfulness. They have resiliency. Your um, is- uh, issue that you're going to be uh, going over, OCD panel, um, and mm-hmm. self-advocacy disclosure is yours. So there's a lot of stuff people here navigating high school, I definitely would not miss this. If you know somebody who has Tourette and they're a teen, um, please, or if they're not just a parent. I think a parent, like say you have a young kid who's like five or six, as a parent you might want to attend, I think, some of these sessions because your your child's going to be a teen one day, and, you know, I think it might be helpful. Um, You can check that out at Tourette.org to register for, for the summit. So, Ben, thank you so much and I hope you have a great uh, summit tomorrow yeah I appreciate that thanks for having me on all right well um, don't forget check out Ben's session tomorrow if you don't we will hunt you down no. <laughs> <laughs> all right Ben well you have a nice night okay
You as well. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. To some, a baby's babbling doesn't mean much. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new